Hello and welcome to the West End Best Friend podcast. January is over, the grey days of the start of the year are nearly done and it's time to take a peek out from under the covers to see what we have to look forward to in 2023. So coming up on this episode of the West End Best Friend podcast, we have... Superstar producer Paul Taylor-Mills tells us all about developing new British theatre and the return of MT Fest. Ooh. We take a look at why actors across the industry are focusing on 17%. And we share our 2023 to-do list of all the shows on our bucket list for the next 12 months. But first, it's on to the news. The What's On Stage Awards are back for their 23rd year on February the 12th. And this week, they've announced their list of musical performances for the night. The show will open with a specially composed number by Alex Parker and Katie Lamb and feature performances from Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, Bonnie and Clyde the Musical, My Fair Lady and the Great British Bake Off Musical, as well as a new take on Billy Elliot. I'm so excited about the Bake Off Musical, I can't tell you. Like, legit. I'm so excited for you to tell me all about the Bake Off Musical. (laughs) Will you not be not that it? I am cynical at all. Ah, uh, I'm so excited about it. Are you going? Are you got? Well, we can save it for later. Um, I am excited. As I say, I, I look forward to hearing all about it from you. I've not heard anything of it at all so far. <laughs> but speaking of Bonnie and Clyde, the full cast list for the musical of Bonnie and Clyde has now been announced. Francis Maley McCann and Jordan Luke Gage will be reprising their roles as Bonnie and Clyde, and Heather's and Six Star Jodie Steele will be playing Blanche Barrow. George Maguire, fresh from Dolly Parton's Smoky Mountain Christmas Carol, will be playing her husband George, and they'll be joined by Hamilton and rent alum Dom Hartley Harris and Hamilton's Cleave September as well. The show is opening at the Garrick Theatre on the 4th of March and it is a limited run, so grab your tickets fast. Did you see Bonnie and Clyde last time it was out? I did. I saw... I I didn't see it in its run, but I saw the production they did at the Theatre Royal Jury Lane with Jeremy and everything in it. And how was it? It was phenomenal. Jeremy being Jeremy Jordan. Exactly. I mean... there's just perfection on stage isn't it really but <laughs> and to go really stagey for you for a second Dom Hartley Harris is best friends with West End best friend founder James and the two of them came to my house a couple of years ago and Dom Hartley Harris and I got well we all got slightly merry together <laughs> and Dom and I had a sing-song around the piano together oh so if it was anything as good as he was when he was singing in my living room <laughs> then I think that he's going to be absolutely amazing on stage. I saw Dom in Bat Out of Hell in the original London cast. And And how was he? Blew me away in that completely. Like, yeah, it was phenomenal. Did you see him in Rent in Manchester? No, I didn't get up to Manchester to see Rent. They, I think actually you can have a look and see if it is on the theatre's website because we streamed it during lockdown and the Hope Mill Theatre in Manchester. And they did a, I don't know if it was a live stream, if it was a recording, but it was absolutely phenomenal. A really, really fun version of Rent and Dom nailed it. So yeah, very excited to see him in Bonnie and Clyde. Is that the one where it was like in a little room and they had chairs around the outside? Yes, it was. Yes, I have seen that stream. Yes. But there we go. There we go. I have Great. seen it. Amazing um... production. Yes. <laughs> right, besties, check it out and check out Bonnie and Clyde as well. Another show opening in March is Cake, the Marie Antoinette playlist, which has also had its cast announced this week ahead of a tour. Taking the crown will be Mary Poppins' Zizi Strallen, with the cast including talent from Six, Cabaret, Moulin Rouge and Dreamgirls, including Renee Lamb, B. Terry, Travis Ross, Ope Swarande and Megan Bryony Gibbs. This sounds interesting. I haven't actually heard of this. 
No, so it is the, so I looked at the synopsis and it says Cake combines music with 18th century France to retell a story that sparked a revolution. When Marie Antoinette married King Louis, her reputation was already tarnished by gossip. But when she is implicated in a crime to defraud the crown jewellers of a diamond necklace, it is not just her reputation at stake, but the monarchy and France itself. Um, I also haven't listened to the music from the show yet, but I am excited to hear more about it. I watched the series Marie Antoinette um, that was on the BBC over Christmas. I've seen the Sophia Coppola version of Marie Antoinette. So I think that, yeah, when it comes to feminist retellings of stories, I'm all on it, especially when it comes to musical theatre. Going to begin in Southampton before going on tour to Salford, Plymouth, Leicester and Norwich. So grab your tickets now. And of course, if you want to keep up to date with all of the latest theatre news, make sure you check out westendbestfriend.co.uk or keep out on our social media pages. When it comes to new musical theatre in the UK, there is one man who gets to take a massive amount of the credit. The producer, Paul Taylor Mills. From Heather's to Rob Maggio's My Sons Are Queer, but what can you do? He's been at the forefront of championing new stories from the last few years. In fact, one of the shows we discussed in our news roundup, Cake, the Marie Antoinette playlist, first started its life at Paul's first ever MT Fest back in 2019. Empty Fest is now back for its fourth year, this time featuring eight different shows across two theatres. Last week, I caught up with Paul to discuss developing new work, what's so special about the UK musical theatre scene, and what needs to change in the industry to make sure that the brilliant shows that we love are able to play their casts and creatives fairly in the future so that they can continue to tell stories which connect with their audiences. So, Paul, firstly, thank you and welcome to the West End Best Friend podcast. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is you do? I can introduce myself. My name is Paul Taylor-Mills. I'm the Artistic Director of the Turbine Theatre at the Battersea Power Station and the Artistic Director of the Other Palace uh, in Victoria. I have two venues because I'm greedy. Both do slightly different things, but both of them are rooted in trying to produce, nurture, develop new musicals. Amazing. And one of the ways that you are developing new musicals is MT Fest, which is back for 2023. Can you tell us a wee bit about how the festival came about and what's on in store this year? Sure. The, uh, the festival came about because I'd spent a lot of time in workshops for new musicals and I'd be sat in the workshops and some of them would have promise, some of them would be terrible and some of them were just middling and you'd get to the end of the workshop and everyone would be like wow that's absolutely brilliant and it never would be and we just do that British thing where we'd be so polite and I thought to myself well the audience is a crucial part of the workshop stage of a show because ultimately if they care and come the show might have a, a life so I tried to introduce the audience as part of that workshop process and this was kind of coupled with the fact that every time I did shows like Carrie or those like iconic musicals, people would be like, I was there at the first night and I was there when this happened. And I thought people love being involved in the process. So in order to try and kind of get to the root of working out whether a show is going to fly or not, or what work might need to happen on a show to cultivate it, I, um, I set up this festival where we workshop essentially eight musicals and they can be musicals that might have had a life somewhere before it could be a commission which is where I put the writers together with an idea um, or it could be just completely brand new 
and we do it books in hand and we kind of we don't ask for feedback all the time but there's one of those things where you can just feel in the room whether it's a it's a thing or not amazing and so as you said you have you are the artistic director of two different theatres and you've got them both involved this year and you've got eight shows going across them can you I mean not to put you on the spot can you can you name the shows what have you got coming up sure um we have eight shows um some of the highlights are uh, Dark Lord which is by the writers of Heathers they um they approached me obviously we did a workshop of Heathers in the studio at the other palace uh nearly five years ago and that one did well so we're trying to we're not going to tempt fate by saying maybe it could have a similar life but um they started today got um come dine with me based on a famous tv program uh by a brilliant writing team which is really really uh fun uh we've got a modern retelling of the government inspector what else do we have um out the box by priya kalidis which is a an indian uh inspired musical mixed with like this very uh, naughty boy did some of the demos so it's got this very modern contemporary edge to it there's a whole mixture it's it's super exciting and i always like compare the program of mt fest like a chocolate box and there'll be a little bit of everything for everyone and we try and make sure that the stories we're telling the people involved uh, are as eclectic as possible and as you're saying there you've got you know you've got stories that have got indian backgrounds you've got things that are based on like ip that people know already like come down with me so you have got all of these different built-in audiences there already how do you go about finding those ideas and making sure that you're bringing stories that you think will find an audience that really connects with them Sure. So um, it, it's a mixture. I guess I have a rule of three kind of rules that go through my head as I'm trying to listen to. Uh, that's Rob Madge singing Les Mis in the background, by the way. Sorry, that's We can't quite hear that. I feel like our audience will be very sad. They can't it, quite hear. It's very distracting. Um, Bring I... them in. Tell them that they can do an exclusive <laughs> for us. I look for three things. I look, I, I think, am I the right person to be telling this story now? Does it move me? And what I mean by that is like, does it make me, am I shifted from the time I went into the theatre to when I left? And that doesn't mean it has to be, I have to be bawling. It doesn't have to be an overtly cathartic experience. I could just laugh for an hour, that's fine too. But it has to move me emotionally in some way. And then the final one, and I guess the most critical, is why this story now? Does anyone actually care, you know? I get sent so many wonderful things, but I just can't work out why we're telling that story now. Or what, and again, going back to the first thing I said, or why I'm telling the story. And ultimately I have to know that eventually I might have to go into a room and, you know, fight for this show. And so I have to be able to answer all those things. Now, obviously, you mentioned that you've got a show coming from the writers of Heathers, who you've worked with so, so successfully in the past. Shows like MT Fest in the past have been things like But I'm a Cheerleader, which has gone on to do amazing things. How does it feel going from having like that little germ of an idea and working with people to then getting it out into a full production? It's a, it's a privilege right now to be able to do the job I do. As I said, I've worked on shows such as Heathers, In the Heights, um, My Son's a Queer, my, but I'm a cheerleader, which, you know, I definitely have a type of show that I enjoy. And it's hard. It's really hard after the last couple of years making shows. And we've almost all, irrespective of what your role is in theatre, had to relearn how to do your job. And whenever it gets tricky, 
particularly on something like um, Heather's, which um, is a long running show in a small theatre uh, with a big cast and a big fan base. I have to remind myself that it is indeed a privilege uh, to be able to do that and that I'm how lucky and entitled I am to be able to do that. And I think you're right when it comes to the audience connection with a show from and if you are able to bring them in from the very beginning, that is something that people feel such ownership over it when they've had that opportunity to be part of it from the beginning. Do you think that's the sort of a direction that theatre and musical theatre is going now where people can really connect with a story and therefore feel like they've got that connection with it? Is that something you're really seeking out? It is. I um, It's so interesting because I'll be sent material and everyone will be like, this is a Paul Taylor Mill show. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what does that even mean? It's like, it's set in a high school and they all kill each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, what does this say uh, about me? I know, I know, but there is, it's, it is really, really touching, you know, to see, I have people's mums come up to me of children who are like, whenever you put a show on, you know, we've just put Eugenius on sale. And they, um, they're like, oh, we booked five tickets. And I know that I've seen them at Heather's and I've seen them at Cheerleader. And I think I definitely have kind of cultivated this. It's a young audience, which is brilliant because they're the future of theatre. And if we don't have people going to the theatre, we're all out of jobs. Very true. Um, and I I think they, you know, most of the audience at Heather's and, and but I'm a Cheerleader, which ran for a shorter time, obviously, they don't just see it once, they see it 10 times. So they do have an ownership over it and it does feel like it's their, their life, you know. No, and... I remember the first time I went to see Heather's uh, would have been pre-pandemic. And I remember being in that audience and I think I'd got a rush ticket on my own that day. And the atmosphere in the auditorium was something I'd never experienced before because, as you say, it was that younger audience. They were so excited. It felt more like almost like a pop concert and they cared about the people in the roles they were really connecting with the story they brought scrunchies along with them to throw at the stage and it was a, a way of going oh my goodness I've not seen this in theatre for a long time a really galvanized connected uh, audience yeah it, it, it is and it means the world to them and it's it's so nice you know as you when you've been around the block like I have to know that you have a show that means so much to people and we have a really, really, you know, the social media can be unkind and we spend a lot of time working with the cast and indeed the show to ultimately put them first and the show first and to both kind of cultivate that fan base and make it feel like it is a family. But at the same time, we have to remember this is a business. It is um if the show doesn't sell, people don't have jobs. That's a reality of it. And we spend a long time trying to work out what the right thing for the show is and how we manage all of those things, making sure that the people that share information is the show, as opposed to, you know, a random person online. And so we spend lots of time really trying to do that and take care of it because you, it can be like a runaway train that's out of control. And we have to do what we can to just remember that we are, you know, the, the there's nothing bigger than the show. Amazing. Now, tell me a wee bit about yourself. How did you first get into producing theatre? Um, I was an actor and I was absolutely terrible. Um, and I was always really naughty in the rehearsal room and I just got really bored. Would always be a bit mischievous. Uh, I know you find that hard to believe. Um, no, goodness was, me, um, would never suggest it at all. As soon as I... 
<laughs> and I started directing when I left university and then realized actually that the, the part of directing that I really enjoyed was finding the title, putting the right cast around a show, attending a marketing meeting and how you, you know, you take a show like Heather's and how you brand it. And on something like MT Fest now with like the Dark Lord, we're already talking about, you know, how you, you, you galvanize that audience and how you get them excited about this, this show. And that's what really got me excited. It wasn't being in a rehearsal room creating the, the show per se. It was the bigger picture of it and connecting all of those dots and saying, actually, I can sell this to a specific audience and I can connect exactly. it with the people who need to find it. I think that's lovely. Yeah. Amazing. Now, outside of the shows that you are producing, which there are many, many shows this year, <laughs> what are you excited about in the world of musical theatre for 2023? I feel like we've come out the last couple of years and like I said, we've almost all relearned things and relearned what theatre can be what theatre should be. I think the audience is changing and I think that is thrilling. It's a younger audience. And I think we have to listen to what's what's happening out there and what people are getting excited about seeing, the kind of stories on stage that people are excited about seeing. And I mean, I'm not really excited for a show per se. I'm just excited that there really is a, a, a new wave of young musical theatre writers that are finally allowed to have a voice. You look at, um, not a musical theatre writer per se, but you know, Rob Madge, Rob messaged me on Twitter uh, and the show has gone from very humble beginnings at the Turbine to Edinburgh and now it's in the glittering West End. And and it, it's, a, it's a thrill, you know, and I'm really excited that those opportunities can happen, you know? Absolutely. And Rob is a friend of West Bend, best friend, and we're very, very pleased that uh, that show has been extended, um, which is coming on till March, so from the end of January, is that right? Yeah, we open formally next Wednesday and then we go to the end of March. The end of March, amazing. And that's a much longer run than was initially anticipated, so that really shows that, you know, getting swept up with the audience is really connecting. It's it makes terrifying. such a big difference. <laughs> it's terrifying, you know, selling out the turbine is something very, very different. But it's just, you know, I think Rob is the first non-binary performer to headline their own West End show. Whoop, whoop. And it's really interesting. I know. And one of my friends, we I was talking last night, we had a vodka after the show, so I get very deep and meaningful. And they said, you know, well, what do you do next? Are you into, what are you excited about? And actually, the biggest thrill is just knowing that in 80 years old, when I'm on a bench in Devon with all my dogs, because I want loads of dogs. Obviously. That I just look. Obviously, that's the most, but I just look back and I go, I did that, you know, I made a difference and people remember that moment and having Rob Madge headline their show in the middle of the West End next to the Mousetrap, the longest running play ever and the kind of newest, brightest, uh, novel, exciting, um, different voice in the West End is a, is a really special moment. Now, when you're talking about all of the different things that, you know, you're developing and with your two theatres, if you look at what New Diorama are doing with um, closing and then and redeveloping what shows they're bringing this year and what stories we're specifically telling after the pandemic and how we pro approach making art, there does seem like there is a, a very conscious conversation happening in UK theatre at the moment about what we do next. Do you think there's something about West End yeah. and the UK atmosphere and approaching things that is different to, say, Broadway? Yeah, yeah, I think it's really, really interesting. I think we, um, 
the system is tricky. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that right now, where we're talking a lot about actors' wages. Um, and as a producer, this is an odd thing for me to say, but actors' wages are horrific. So you're um, talking about the current equity uh, protest saying that 17% um, yeah. of a raise is needed across the West End. Yeah, yeah. And this might surprise my fellow producers, but I agree. It, it's <laughs> terrible. But the bit of context that's missing here that perhaps people aren't aware of is that actors' wages should go up and everyone's talking about those things. The, the reality is, and the thing that no one's talking about, is the system is broke and this, the whole system needs mending. It's There are producers making huge amounts of money, but they are very, very few producers. There is a whole host of producers just hustling, just trying to make it happen. So absolutely, actors should absolutely have a, a pay rise. Conditions should be improved for everybody, not just actors, for creative teams, for people backstage. For producers, you know, we it's interesting. We talk so much about um, God. You've you've set me off now. We talk so much about like actors' mental health and stuff. But uh, you know, when do we start talking about producers' mental health or creatives' mental health or everybody involved? And I I don't know. Maybe it's a romanticized version in my head. But I think we need a more holistic approach to the whole thing. And I I do think we need to make the standards of working much better. But it, it, it is a massive overhaul. It's not as simple as just throwing up everyone's wages. We need to look at ticket pricing. Uh, and the problem is, for a producer's point of view, you put the ticket prices up and then you are, you're called greedy. And going back to your original question before I went off on one. Um, I love it. I love about it. Broadway. I think the difference is, you know, the Broadway model is, you know, to take a one-person show to Broadway would cost £3 million, $3 million. There's the difference, you know, they do have strength in their union, but perhaps does does kind of less interesting work happen there because of that? I don't know, you know, I think it's not a, it's not a quick fit. And I, you know, the grass is always greener. I look at my Broadway friends or my friends working in New York and I go, oh, that wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be this? Wouldn't, but each, each, the Western and Broadway have pros and cons, you know, yeah, uh, and if I could back... fix it quickly, I would. I think, it, again, it comes back to the stories you're trying to tell at the moment, which are more idiosyncratic, more personal, more tailored to specific audiences. They might not be the most overtly, obviously commercial things. And therefore, if you want to have new voices coming through, they're going to have to start with a smaller audience. And therefore, you can't necessarily just go for your... Aladdins and your lamezers who have got these, you know, that you can churn them around because you want to have those little stories and you're not going to be able to do yeah. that with those huge budgets. Definitely want that we exactly. can keep an eye on. Exactly. But anyone who is not aware of the um, equity campaign at the moment, I'm sure we'll have loads of posts about that on our social media. So let's go and check that one out. Paul, firstly, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. If people want to find you, if they want to find more about your shows, where can they learn more? They can learn more using uh, the, the theatre's social media accounts. If anyone wants to find out more about the Turbine or the other palaces work, they can just go to the uh, Twitter or Instagram. And there's loads of really fun new work happening. And it's crucial if people want to see new work, they have to support it because then producers will do more because they can see that there is an appetite for it. Amazing. And MT Fest is running from the end of January. Is that correct? Yeah. So we yeah. start next Monday, which is Monday the 29th through to the is it the 10th or 11th of february 6th of feb 6th of feb i think 
5th yeah. of Feb. Amazing. Um, and tickets start at around £9, £10 each. So they're very accessible. Yeah, exactly. Ama amazing. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time. Um, and thank you for talking to us on the West End Best Friend podcast. Best of luck with all of your projects. And we'll hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you so much. That was an amazing interview and really, really fascinating all about MT Fest and everything. Yeah, I'm really glad that Paul managed to give some time up for us. I mean, he's got a hell of a lot on at the moment. It was very funny him saying that Rob Madge was rehearsing in the background and maybe I could hear them singing Les Mis, which <laughs> I couldn't. So um, if eagle-eared besties actually heard that, I'd be very impressed. But I think the passion that he's got for telling new stories and bringing things to audiences that we haven't heard before rather than it just being you know this is going to be commercially successful or this is going to be that I think he really does care about bringing shows that people engage with on an emotional level to audiences and breaking new ground and I think that they're the stories that we should be telling from 2023 and beyond definitely and especially getting behind smaller shows because I love a small show and obviously you can't get much smaller than my son's a queer because there's only one person in it but I just find the storytelling in a smaller show so captivating. It's intimate, isn't it? It's that it's that moment of really feeling that you can have some ownership over it, that you have that parasocial relationship with the person who's on stage, that you really understand the nuances of the songs, how they've developed, you know, if you saw it when it was first in previews to when it's going on a, a big West End stage, you sort of you feel like you've got that, that it's part of your journey and you're part of its journey as well. Yes, definitely. And I've loved that. I've seen a few shows in its early days and then whether they move on or whether they don't, it's it's really quite special to see that development of a show as well. And you, like you said, you kind of grow with it and sort of have your own take on whether, whether things were right or whether things were wrong. But the fact that you could see it at both stages of its life gives you that full roundedness of the of the experience of it. And I know we were talking about Marie Antoinette earlier, and I didn't realise that that had started during MT Fest in 2019. And, you know, it's now going to be in four different cities across the UK. It's getting a full cast of six, seven different people who are going to be playing all of those parts. So it's quite fun to think that these eight shows that are currently going, going, going to go on at the Turbine Theatre and at the other palace, they're an hour long each. They are, you know, not expensive to go and see. If you live in London and you can have access to go and see them, you can go and see something that's right at its infancy, who actually for a lot of these shows, they've got some really big names that are working on them because it is just a workshop and they can give up a little bit of their time as opposed to having to, make, to commit to it for a long time. And then you might be able to see something right in its infancy that goes on and has this beautiful life outside of it that goes across the country or across the world. And you can go, oh yeah, God, I saw this when it had six different numbers that aren't in it anymore. And oh they've changed the story in this way or this is how they've developed it and it 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 gives you a different level of engagement for it i don't think this is part of musical theater fest but a new show that i saw on socials recently is called lady m and it's a Ooh. new british musical and it's featuring carolis i'm not sure about many of the other cast because i don't know a huge amount about this show but it's definitely on my radar to to keep looking at I think I saw a promo with it with Jamie Moscato, who was in Heathers, singing one of the songs. I don't know if he's going to doing it, but I've definitely heard him doing a version of it in a development workshop. And I mean, his voice works for everything, but I think being able to hear him in new musical theatre is very cool. I'm just looking at their website and it looks like uh, Bradley Jaden has also been involved in the oh past. Oh my goodness. There's been some different different iterations, but the casts look incredible. 
So keep and I think that keep this yeah, I think radar. that and that goes back to that thing is of you know being able to see amazing people in it because they just want to work on something new and it must feel amazing to originate songs like that you know you you have all of these standards that we all sing along to in the car we sing along to in the shower in the house that we love and they become part of our our world but to be able to be the first person that sings that song or the first person that introduces new music to people must feel really really wonderful So, Robin, one of the things that came through when I was talking to Paul Taylor Mills is that this really is the first full year since COVID that we've had when theatres are going to be open, when people can plan going to see shows. And as this is our first episode of the year, I was wondering if you started adding to your theatre wish list for 2023. I mean, I started in 2022 adding to my theatre wish list in 2023. There are so many <laughs> things coming out that's really exciting. I mean, to name a few, um, I've already mentioned Bake Off the Musical. Mm-hmm. Really excited about that. I've, there's a okay. Sell me, sell me Bake Off the Musical because whilst I love Bake Off, and I know I we know that I'm the podcast cynic. So, w- what's what's got what's it got going for it? Uh, for one, John Owen Jones is in it. That helps. John Owen Jones is playing Paul Hollywood. Okay. It's also got Scott Page in it. Lovely Scott Page, who I've seen in the Adams Family, and I very much enjoyed. Yep. It's going into the Nog Howard Theatre. So okay. you like Evan Hansen. I mean, Evan's not there anymore, but... It's but it's a beautiful theatre, yes. Lovely little no, theatre. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm definitely feeling more on board. And the clip that you can watch online from the show, mm-hmm. it starts with the Bake Off theme introductory music and it leads <laughs> then into the song. So they've got the official music that leads into the opening number. And it's just... It sounds like really fun British... I'm not going to say silliness and heartwarming silliness. It doesn't take itself seriously. It it reminds me a little bit of like Calendar Girls, like the, the fun yeah. bits in Calendar Girls where they're kind of like when they're talking about like Victoria Scone, like Victoria Scone, that's a drag queen. Victoria Scone. <laughs> no, that's a drag queen again. When talking about... Victoria Scone is still a drag queen. <laughs> and a wonderful one at that. She's great. <laughs> wonderful one. When they're talking about classic Victoria sponges. There we go. Right. And learning to bake and... I think one of the lyrics is about someone's old Aunt Bessie's tarts that she used to make. You know, things like that. It, it just sounds really charming. And like I say, it's not taking itself seriously. And they're talking about... Charming is such a beautiful word for it as well. Like that, like such a hyper-specific thing that has really caught the nation's hearts. I think that is just lovely. And the fact that, again, this started as a, a tiny little show that ran for like two weeks. I can't mm-hmm. remember where it was, uh, but it ran for two weeks. Again... I think it had really good reviews, hence why it's now getting a London a London run. It's not there for long. I think it's opening the end of February and it's through till mm-hmm. April, I think. Yeah, it's it's a it's a flash in the pan one. That's a not a baking reference, but it, it could be. <laughs> but it's definitely on my list to see. I'm super excited about that one. Right, right so... you come up to London and I will come and see that one with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my sons are queer, as we've mentioned before, yes. and we've mentioned it before in this podcast. Super excited that Rob Madge has got a second run in London and it's a big run as well. 
I am yeah, hoping it's so much longer than the first run it's as you know Paul was saying in the interview it is it's gone from like this short little preview and then everyone was terrified because poor Rob had got pearly and the show had to come down but actually because it had been so successful and so much hype had been built around it it means that the run gets to be so much longer this time which is you know the silver lining I don't think anyone expected before Christmas yeah I'm now able to go to London this weekend for my birthday and my son's queer is top of my list to see so i'm hopefully we'll be booking that in and seeing that this week so i'm very excited okay watch this space we need to hear that and i know you've been listening to the soundtrack on repeat for that one anyway so. oh completely i've been crying my eyes out to it it's gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> what else am i excited for winnie the we Pooh? need to get you birthday tissues for the theater this weekend oh then. i'm gonna be a mess but it's great i love i love shows that just leave you as a mess like it's yeah it's 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 a great way to spend a couple of hours of your life being emotionally it's, uh, broken. it's also one of the best things about theatre I don't think there's anything else that really hits me quite as hard as maybe an episode of Call the Midwife but you know (laughs) (laughs) you know tears streaming down your face and you're shaking a few other things on my list I'm excited for we've got the Spongebob Squarepants tour Mm -hmm. I know it's not brand new theatre because it's already had a Broadway run but it's new to the UK Mm -hmm. Uh, we have also got Winnie the Pooh Again, had a Broadway run last year. It's coming to the UK. Mm-hmm. Looks just absolutely lovely. And the programme is a little hardback book. Oh. Which... <laughs> oh. I hope they do that in UK. It's delightful. They did that on Broadway and it melted my heart. So, yeah, London run of that. Mrs. Doubtfire is opening soon. Yes. Really want to see that one. Uh, Next mm-hmm. to Normal is opening this year. Yeah, I need to get tickets booked to that as soon as possible. I am incredibly excited for that. Again, it's not a very, it's it's not, I wouldn't say it's a new show, but it's new for the UK. It ran on Broadway. New for the UK. 10 years ago now? Yeah, about a decade ago, which is mad because it feels like one of those that's been around forever. It's such a, you know, so full of musical theatre standards now. Casting has been announced for Next to Normal and I am super excited. Only two at the moment. We have Casey Levy, the original Elsa on Broadway. Oh, wow. And we have Trevor Dion Nichols, the original Aladdin on Broadway. Not Aladdin. Oh. The original genie from Aladdin on Broadway. The original genie. For, I mean, his voice is absolutely phenomenal. It really commands a room. And I mean, for, for again, next to normal, if you don't know it, it's a very small show again. There's only six people in the cast. It's all about mental health. And to have these really strong Broadway leading actors in it is going to be incredible. Yeah. It is. It just gives it that much gravitas, doesn't it? And um, especially with mental health, it's one of those things that you sort of go, you know, people could be scathing. You're like, oh, well, why is that a musical? And you're like, well, it's a musical because that's the stuff that really breaks people. It's the stuff that really quite literally messes with your head is when your mental health goes off the rails. So that I am, that's going to be brilliant. Definitely. What about you, Jet? What are you excited about? So the first thing that I am going to see is Standing at the Sky's Edge, which is opening at the um at the National Theatre on the 9th of February now it's been billed as a love letter to to Sheffield which is my closest city from where I'm from and it's this musical that's based on a council estate the Sky Scraper council estate and it's all of these different stories of the different people who live there really grounded so I think you know if you think of all of those great northern musicals like your Billy Elliot's and your Full Monty's that have really 
grounded in a specific community but then bringing that to nowadays you know rather than it being the miners strikes and all of that but really telling us those stories so I'm going to go see that next month and I am really really excited to see that and then I've got tickets to see lemons 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 sorry I think there are only five lemons okay you've only written down three I know, because it's, it's, I think it's five lemons. Anyway, that I've got tickets to see. And the cast photos came out for that this week of Jenna Coleman and Adrian Turner in rehearsals. And it's at the Harold Pinter. So I'm excited to see that and find out how many lemons there really are. It looks really, really, really fun. Uh, so that'll be really good. And then I've also booked tickets to see Groundhog Day <gasps> at the end of the year. Yes. Not the end of the year, the middle of the year. I'm going to see that on my birthday in May, which... I know you've seen already, um, but I cannot wait to come and see it. I didn't see it when it was in the UK last time. So, yeah, super, super excited for that one. It's incredible. You'll love it. And I hear it's touring as well. They could be touring as well. Could it? That's what I've heard. I've heard it's going to have a slightly smaller set. And people are like, well, if it's got a smaller set, then that would mean it could tour. So uh, that's not official or anything. That's just speculation, but potentially. That's that's good speculation. I like that a lot. And then the other thing I think that um, I'm really excited for is New Diorama have released their first season after they closed. They closed after COVID. They sort of got through all of the shows that had been on their books before all of the lockdowns. And then they had a sit and a think about where they wanted to take theatre forward. And they've announced their new lineup. And that includes a show called After the Act, which is a Section 28 musical all about section 28 which is um, as I'm sure many listeners know the rule that you weren't allowed to talk about gay people in, in classrooms until whilst we were growing up while you and Rob, I Robin up were growing up it was you know illegal for teachers to talk about homosexuality at schools in case it was constantly as like encouraging it so it is a musical dancing on the grave of section 28 which I think sounds really really exciting there's I know that for Black Boys is coming back later in the year which started at the new diorama as well which I didn't get to see when it was at the Royal Court last year and was very upset with myself for not seeing. <laughs> so, yeah, I think between the the new work that's coming out of New Diorama and Next to Normal and all of these returning shows that are coming back to the UK, I think it's going to be a very exciting year when it comes to theatre. That's all we've got time for today on this episode of the Western Best Friend podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends about us, get in touch. And if you really enjoyed it, please give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Now, we're going to be back really soon with more news, reviews and insights from the West End and beyond. And next time, we have some very special guests joining us. The brilliant Spitlip, the production team behind Operation Mincemeat, are going to be interviewed by me next week, in fact. And I cannot promise that I'm going to play it cool. <laughs> yeah, you need to control yourself for that one. <laughs> I Look, I'm a TV producer by trade. I have interviewed and briefed quite a lot of very, very famous people and not broken a sweat. And... Um, I hope they don't listen to this in the run-up because it's the first time in my life I think I am going to be completely starstruck. I think they're brilliant. <laughs> and again, Operation Mincemeat Me is opening again this year, which I believe yes. Jet has got many tickets to go and see. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring it. I thought the viewers, the listeners probably knew by now that I have tickets. I'm basically moving into the theatre. So I thought maybe I didn't need to remind everybody. But if you haven't got tickets, go and get tickets now. And I'll <laughs> remind you next week when we talk about it, next time when we talk about it in more detail. <laughs> 
Anyway, till then, you can keep up with all the goings on via the West End Best Friend website and across our social media. All of the details are in the show notes. Till then, I'm Jack Gerbertson. And I am Robin Dibbin. See See you soon. soon.